Anne, uh, over 40 years of age, uh, has been healed, uh, miraculously healed uh, by Peter as Peter offers out his hand and he commands him in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And so he does. He, he rises up and walks and the crowds are utterly amazed. They're utterly astounded but they don't yet fully grasp what's going on. And so Peter takes full advantage of this opportunity and he preaches, he preaches Christ to them. So that's what we're going to look at tonight, uh, the Sermon of Peter's. And we're going to do that in the tried and tested way, three points. And they're all about Jesus Christ. Firstly, we have Christ's power, and then Christ's call, and then Christ's prophets to finish off. So power, call, prophets. But before we do that, why don't we bow our heads and ask God to help us, and let's pray. Father, thank you that you have promised to speak to us through uh, your word and so we ask, uh, Lord, that you would do that tonight, that you would give us ears to hear, uh, and that you would help us be present with us uh, even now, for we ask it in, in Jesus' name. Amen. So first, then, we see Christ's power, Christ's power uh, from verses 11 uh, to 16. Uh, maybe you've seen uh, those videos online of these big American uh, sports arenas, like a, a baseball stadium or a, a basketball court. Um, and at halftime at these big shows, they have this kind of gotcha camera, don't they? they? They'll have a big screen, maybe like this one, and a camera going around, and it'll zoom in on, on individual people. Maybe you would not like that if we did that tonight. Um, but usually in, in America, these people, they love it. They love this moment, and uh, maybe they'll start, start dancing, or they'll, they'll pull out a sign that says something. Uh, I think my favorite one was uh, it, it zooms in on a couple, and the man, he gets down on one knee, the crowd goes wild, and he ties his shoelace. <laughs> well, no such thing existed in the ancient world, but for Peter and John, this is about as close as it gets I mean, what, what does it say in, in verse 11? Everyone runs to them. And in verse 12, everyone is staring at them. They have everyone's attention. And it's not, well, it's not surprising, is it? I mean, something incredible has just happened. And it's left everyone, the, the text tells us, the crowd has been left utterly astounded. So here they are, standing in, uh, what does it say, Solomon's portico, uh, porch area off to the side of the temple and this man this lame man now a healed man he's he's clinging to Peter and John he's sticking as close to them as he can probably like you or I would if we'd been lame our whole life and then been healed we'd want to stay close to the person who healed us and the crowd has has gathered round how's Peter going to react well maybe if he was a uh, 21st century Scotsman, he would just brush it off. Oh, 
It's just a nice thing to do. It's no problem. It's no big deal. Maybe if he was a bit more aspirational, he would shout out his Instagram handle or show them his YouTube channel. He'd see this as a chance to gather a following of his own uh, to get people behind him to support what he wants to do. Or maybe if you're like a lot of us here, you just want the ground to swallow you up. You wouldn't want anyone looking at you. But not Peter. No, Peter, he seizes the moment to make much of his Lord, to make much of Jesus Christ and to show forth his supremacy above all things. But before he starts, before he, he dives into his sermon, did, did you notice what he does in verse 12? He, he wants to dismiss two false views. What does he say in verse 12? Well, first he says it's not our power. And then he says it's not our piety. So it's not our strength. And it's not our holiness. No, it's not about magic or any deep spiritual inner revelation that's made this man well. No, it's all about Jesus. Jesus, Peter says in verse 13, is the servant who has been glorified. He is the one spoken of uh, by the prophets. Think about prophecies like Isaiah 49 or Isaiah 52. See, Peter is keen to present, present Jesus for who he truly is. He's not some novel teacher that's just appeared out of nowhere. No, he is the long-awaited Messiah, the one promised by the God of their fathers. And you see, he lists off Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he is the one these men were, were waiting for. But this, this Messiah didn't look maybe like they expected him to look. He wasn't born into a, into a palace, uh, being served by, by butlers and maids. No, he was born into a manger. And he was a servant of uh, those who were despised and rejected. I suppose he grew up to serve people like this man, this lame man who was rejected by all around him. This, this long expected Jesus was the hope of the Jewish people, the hope of the people Peter's addressing. But this, this long-awaited Messiah, how, how did they treat him? What did they, what did they do with him? When he came to them to serve, well, the passage goes on, doesn't it? It tells us he was delivered over to the authorities. He was denied before Pilate. Even after Pilate had said, I see no fault in this man. He's, he's done nothing wrong. But it, it's more than that, isn't it? It's not just that he was handed over and denied. The passage continues, doesn't it? Christ isn't only handed over but there's, a, there's an exchange that's made. Look at the passage with me. A murderer, Barabbas, was released. And the author of life, well, Jesus Christ, he was killed. 
Do you see the contrast that Peter makes? The one who had taken life is freed. But the one who created life, he's condemned. The holy one, the righteous one, the God-man is crucified. While a wicked sinner, well, he walks away. But praise God, Jesus rose again from the dead, didn't he? And, and Peter is keen here to say him and John, they're, they're eyewitnesses to this. They have, they have seen the risen Lord. And so as eyewitnesses of this event, Peter wants to make it very clear, they are not the ones with power. It is the resurrected Jesus that has the power. But what is, what's verse 16 then all about? Well, it's about faith. Faith in Jesus, that's what made this man strong. This man, he, he, would, have known, he would have known no benefit to, to, to taking Peter's hand if he didn't have, have faith in the power of the name of Jesus. But where, where does that faith come from? How does he, how does he get this, this faith? Well, this faith is, is given as a gift. It's faith in Jesus and faith that comes through Jesus. That's what verse 16 says, isn't it? We could dwell on that thought for a while, couldn't we? We thought a bit about that last week. How faith is both commanded and given. Faith is is required, but it is also gifted to us. But we won't think about that tonight. Um, I want to be faithful to what what Peter's focus is, what what Peter is keen to to emphasize. Why, Why does he start preaching in the first place? Why does he begin speaking to this crowd Well, he wants to make much of Jesus. He wants them to focus on Jesus. He wants them to stop looking at man and look to the one who gives the power. Look to Jesus who saves, heals, and restores. I think you can see the the application for us today. It's a a problem that's been present in in churches down through the ages. A focus on on man, on people, rather than on on God. So the veneration of, of saints offering prayers to Mary. Can you see tonight in the passage how this is this is false religion peter is calling people to look to jesus not to him but maybe you're not maybe you're not tempted in that way tonight maybe it's more subtle for you maybe you put your trust in your favorite online preacher your favorite podcast presenter, 
Maybe you're tempted to look to those up the front uh, rather than, than looking to God and giving him the, the glory uh, for all the good things he gives us. I want to say tonight, you know, give, give thanks for the bloggers and authors that you enjoy. Uh, praise God for, for the authors that, that you have benefited from down the years. But today, maybe today especially, on a day where we've had uh, lots of people come into membership, don't, don't give in to the temptation to give glory to man. Give glory to God and praise him for his goodness. So that's our first point tonight, Christ's power. Having looked at that, we'll now look at Christ's call. It's verses 17 to 21, that's Christ's call as our second point. What, what did you make of verse 17 uh, whenever you first read it? Maybe you, didn't, maybe you didn't think much of it, but I think on closer inspection, it's, it's worth looking at. Peter is, is speaking about how Jesus was handed over to Pilate, the holy and righteous one is killed, crucified in the place of a murderer. And, and what, what does he say in verse 17 about these, these people who handed him over? What does he say? Brothers, I know you acted in ignorance, as did your rulers. They acted in ignorance. And that, that's an interesting thought, isn't it? It's not just the people who acted in ignorance. Peter says it's the rulers as well, those people who, well, the people who orchestrated the whole thing. So is he giving them an excuse? Well, no, ignorance is not the absence of, of guilt. Ignorance is not bliss in this setting. This is more than, than running a red light that you didn't know was there or taking something from the fridge at work that wasn't labeled. No, this is, this is a whole category altogether. This is, this is the author of life. This is the holy and righteous one. This is the Messiah, Jesus, who's falsely accused, is convicted in a phony trial, and he's crucified in the place of a wicked man. No, ignorance does not remove culpability, but it, but it does give room. It gives room for forgiveness. It gives room for, for repentance. See, Peter doesn't use their ignorance as an excuse. It's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. Verse 18 attests to that fact, doesn't it? Look at it with me. Verse 18, Peter basically says, you should have known better. Look at it. It says, Jesus is the suffering Messiah that God spoke of through the prophets. Now, they, they would have known some of those passages I mentioned earlier. Isaiah 53 speaks of the one despised and, and rejected by men, the one pierced for the transgressions of his people the one who would bear the sins of us all. Isaiah 50 speaks of the one whose 
back would be struck, his face would be spat upon. But it also asks a question. In Isaiah 50, the question is asked, who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Yes, Jesus is the servant. He's the servant of of Isaiah 49, the true and, and better Israel who will glorify his God. I remember in my uh, first year of uh, university, uh, I got into this awful uh, habit of, uh, of falling asleep <laughs> uh, during my lectures. The lights would dim, the PowerPoint would start, and I would drift off and uh, usually would receive pictures on my phone afterwards of me lying there, mouth wide open, uh, gone to the world. But I just thought that was fine. I didn't think that was too bad. And I thought I would just, well, I would just breeze through uni. After all, I'd breeze through high school. Why wouldn't I do the same at university? Well, when I failed at my exams that year, I had to reset the entire year. I soon had my eyes open to me. And then the next year, next time exams came around, well, I wouldn't have an excuse. The time for my ignorance uh, was over. And this is something akin to what, what the Jewish people here, they're, they're experiencing as they listen to Peter. They had, they had been ignorant. They had acted in ignorance, but... But now, there was no excuse. Peter says they have ignored the prophets of old, and they have failed to see who who Jesus is, but, but now they see him clearly. They have seen and heard of the resurrected Jesus, and they have seen his ongoing power in the healing of this lame man. And so the call goes out. The time for ignorance is over. The time for repentance is here. That's what verses 19 to 21 are all about. Repent. Turn from your rebellion. Turn back to the God of your fathers who has glorified Jesus Christ. And this this repentance, uh, verse 19 onwards, this repentance has has outcomes. It has... uh, consequences, positive consequences that come along with repentance. Let's look at them each in turn. In verse 19, you have number one, sins are blotted out. When you repent, your sin is is covered over like ink blots on a ledger. The debts are canceled. They are wiped away. And that's A glorious thought, isn't it? Our sins, those offenses that we've committed against a holy God are are wiped away. That's amazing, but but Peter's just getting started. He's got more to say about repentance. Look at uh, verse 20, the, the second consequence. Repentance leads to times of refreshing from the Lord. Now that could mean a, a number of things. But many uh, agree that this is a reference to the sending of the, of the Holy Spirit. That, that gift that 
uh, Christians that believers receive when they repent and turn to Jesus. The Holy Spirit, he, he helps us, he, he comforts us, he makes us more like Jesus, and he refreshes us throughout our life. So those who repent and believe have their sins blotted out, number one. Number two, they receive refreshment of the Holy Spirit from the presence of the Lord. And then thirdly, they can anticipate a future where Christ will restore all things. The last one, number three, that, that's maybe the hardest for us to sort of wrap our heads around. So let's, let's take some time and look at that closely together. It's the second half of verse 20 onwards. Peter has called the people to repent and says that he, that God, may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. Let's pause there. So Peter says God is going to send Jesus again. Jesus is going to come back again. Let's keep going. So in verse 21 now. Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring. Stop there again. Jesus has been received in heaven at his ascension. He has died, risen, and ascended into glory. Heaven has received him, and Christ must, must remain there for a season when will he come back? How long must he remain in heaven? Well, what is said here, it says, until the time for restoring. So Peter says there will be a delay. There will be a delay between Christ's ascension and his return. And that return will be a time of, of restoration. We do not know when that time will be. While on earth, Jesus himself said he didn't know. Only the Father knows. But we do know what that time's going to be all about. That's the rest of verse 21. Look at it. Are you, are you following me? Christ is coming again at an appointed time to do what? To bring in, verse 21, a time of restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his prophets. And so, friends, Jesus is, is coming again, and he's coming to restore all things to himself. This world today is so broken and corrupted. It's marred with, with sickness and with war. But one day, our King Jesus is coming back. And he will restore all things to himself. And the good news is, if you have done what, what Scripture calls us to tonight, if you, if you have repented and believed in Jesus Christ, well, that, that's going to be a glorious day. That's a day to look forward to. The day when the one who, who has wiped away our sin, well, he's going he's to wipe away every tear from our eyes. But friend, if you have 
If you've not obeyed, if you've not done what Scripture calls you to do, if you've not repented and believed in Jesus, well, tonight, I'm afraid, you, you cannot plead ignorance. Like these people whom Peter was, was speaking to, the, the, the time for ignorance is, is over. The time for repentance is here. And so tonight, repent of your sins. Turn to Jesus. Have your sins blotted out. Receive refreshment from the Lord. And look forward to a day when Christ will restore all things to himself. So we've seen Christ's power. We've heard Christ's call. And finally, and most briefly, we'll examine Christ's prophets. That's prophets with a PH in verses 22 to 26. If you're a, you're a student in this room, you know a bit about essay writing. Uh, no matter how practical your course is, you probably have to write an essay at some point. Um, what, what's one of the really important things about, about essay writing? Well, it's, um, it's referencing, isn't it? Uh, good referencing, Vancouver, Chicago, these kinds of things. Well, like, like every good essay, you need to back up your argu- arguments. You need to say what other people have said. And that, that's, what, that's what Peter is, is doing here in a sense, isn't it? And like any good essay, he doesn't quote from just one source. He quotes from a variety of sources. The first of those is verse 22, Moses. They say if you're making an argument in philosophy, the first one to quote Plato wins. I think if you're making an argument about Messiah... Moses is someone you're going to want on your side. Peter is is quoting scripture here. It's found in uh, Deuteronomy 18, verse 15 onwards. You You can look it up if you like. What does Moses say? Well, Moses says someone is coming. God is going to raise someone up. And you must listen to him. This, this prophecy of Moses, it's, it's kind of interesting because in a way it's, it's a prophecy about prophecy. He says that you know, Moses is preparing the people for a day when, when he will no longer be there and someone is going to come after him and, and speak and they must listen to that person, they must listen to the prophets or else they will suffer destruction But Peter, he takes this, he applies it to Jesus. He is the prophet who Moses is speaking about that we must listen to. So first he cites Moses, then he cites Samuel, doesn't he? Well, not not quite. I mean, look, look at verse 24 with me. It's not just Samuel, is it? It's it's all prophets. All the prophets from Samuel onwards proclaimed the days of blessing that come with Jesus Christ. And you know that we don't have time to go through every prophet in the Old Testament. 
but that would be quite beneficial, I think. So why don't we do a, a bit of a speed run? We've already mentioned Isaiah, but we could look at Zachariah. Zachariah, who said the Messiah would come riding on a donkey or that he would be sold for 30 pieces of silver. That's someone we could look at. We could look at Malachi, who said that the forerunner of Messiah would be like Elijah. He's talking about John the Baptist there, isn't he? Maybe we could look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah, who foretold someone who would come and inaugurate a new covenant. Needless to say, we could spend our whole evening doing this, but we need to move on. Because who does uh, Peter cite next? He's talked about Moses. He's talked about the prophets. Finally, it is the promise to Abraham that he cites in verse 25. Jesus is the seed of Abraham who will bless all nations, all families of the world. Friend, tonight you might be sitting here thinking, what does this all have to do with me? All this stuff about Moses and Isaiah and Abraham. Wasn't that just for those people all those years ago? Well, look again at verse 25. This is for all nations. This is for all families on the earth. You get, you get another hint of that at the end of, of Peter's address, verse 26. Verse 26, Peter says, Jesus was sent to them, to the, to the Jewish people of that day, he was sent to them first. What does first imply? Well, it implies a, a second or another. You see, Jesus, yes, he came uh, to the people in ancient Israel in that day. But these truths tonight, these truths of the power of Jesus, of the glorified servant king, the crucified Messiah, the one greater than Moses, foretold by the prophets, the promised seed of Abraham, just for all people. He is our savior to us who are Gentiles, those far off. So the good news of repentance, the good news of sins blotted out, of refreshment, of restoration, these are our promises to enjoy as well. So how do you get them? How do you claim these promises? Well, how does the sermon end? Look again at verse 26. Turn from wickedness. Turn from your sin. Turn from your your inward way of thinking. Turn from your rebellion to, to Jesus Christ and turn from these things and turn towards him. In him, you will find mercy. You will find forgiveness. You'll find refreshment for your tired soul. 
Turn to him tonight and he will not turn you away. Turn to him and you will find all you need, yes, for this life, but also for the next. Let's come to him now in prayer.